podcast has been created by Retina UK, a national charity working for people with inherited sight loss. We hope that you enjoy listening to it. Hello everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Kate Arkell, Research Development Manager at Retina UK. Today I'll be chatting with three people living with inherited sight loss who were among the first to receive gene therapy for their condition on the NHS. All three have sight loss caused by faults in the RPE65 gene and earlier this year received a therapy called Luxterna, which is specifically designed to address this genetic fault. There are a number of similar therapies currently in clinical trials, all aiming to stabilise sight loss or improve vision. So we hope our guests today will be the first of many to receive treatment over the coming years. Welcome all of you. Um, It'd be lovely if you could first just introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about yourselves, how old you are, where you're from, um, and a little bit perhaps about your, your sight loss history as well. Um, Jake, should we start with you? Yeah, so hello everyone. Uh, my name's Jake. I live in the northeast of England. I am uh, 24 years of age and I live with my parents at the moment. Um, my sight loss really isn't as bad as what a lot of people have and I've got a few friends who have very similar conditions and they've lost a lot more than what I have and my, my vision is quite stable to be honest with you and has been for a lot of years and um, it's going to be a lot more stable for the next 20 or 30 years with, with the treatment that I had in January so yeah that's, that's about it really. <laughs> Brilliant thank you and um, Lee what about you? Okay so um, I'm Lee um, <clears throat> I've, uh, I'm from Chorley in Lancashire, 40 years old. Um, my sight loss is pretty much been sort of, it was pretty stable as a kid. Uh, and then through sort of like my 20s, it started to deteriorate. Um, it was pretty, getting pretty bad as, as, as years went by. And obviously, you know, as I was seeing uh, deep, uh, the doctors at the hospital and everything, um, and just recently it was like this, I got an email saying that this was available um, and I, a, a phone call from um, genetic counsellors at the, at the hospital and there was really you know looking forward to everything um, and I was well impressed because for so many years it's just been a case of like you know um, sorry there's nothing there's, there's still no cure there's still nothing we can do it's just a case of like um, it's it's a degenerative can't even speak degenerative degenerative I can't say it anyway and and it was basically just um, when this when this came along it was I jumped at the chance basically I mean I, I did all the tests to make sure I was I was eligible and literally it was a case of like yeah i'll do it and they were like well do you not need time to think about it i was like no i said i thought about it <laughs> well actually we'll have a chat a little bit of a chat about that decision making process later because yeah yeah no worries. that's something that, that a lot of people are going to be interested in um about about that and how easy that was for you um matthew can you just tell us a little bit about yourself yes of course uh hi everyone i'm matthew uh, I'm 49. I live here in London with my wife. Uh, I was diagnosed with RP as a child um, and similarly to uh, Jake and Lee, my sight was stable for, for a, lot of, a lot of my life. Uh, I could kind of read, print and use computers into my 30s, uh, but, but after that my central vision really, really fell off. Right, okay. 
Um, Matthew, you are actually the oldest of the three. Um, tell us a little bit, I mean, Lee touched on this, but I mean, in your 20s and 30s, did you have any expectation that there might be a treatment that would, would improve or, or stabilise your sight loss? Um, I, I didn't. I didn't have an expectation that, that that there would be a treatment in my forties. It's it was a, it, it's science fiction. Okay. Yeah. Is that how is that how the, the two of you felt a little bit about it as well? I mean, Jake, when were you first aware that a gene therapy that might be appropriate for your condition was sort of in the pipeline, as it were? Um, I think it was 2019. There was a, a BBC News article about something um, that I got sent from uh, Moorfields in London, uh, explaining that there could possibly be something offered in the future. I didn't know how soon that was going to be. Like, like probably the two other lads, um, I was just happy to, you know, participate in any research that would help someone in the future. That's the way I always thought. You know, like um, it wasn't going to help me. It was going to help maybe a child or an adult 20, 30, or 40 years down the line. You know, um, yeah. and that that was always my intention that. Even probably like these two lads, uh, I never expected anything in my lifetime, you know. Um, I really didn't. I expected to get maybe 30s and 40s and lose most of what I've got. Um, so that, that was about it, really. Okay. And this is, a, this is a very specific treatment. Gene therapies all are. Um, Lee, were you aware of your genetic diagnosis before this treatment really sort of came onto your radar? Had you had a genetic test and... Yeah, I mean, it was it was a bit strange because um, I was first diagnosed with uh, retinal aplasia in 1988. Um, before that, I, there was no diagnosis at all. Yeah. Um, then, sort of, it can it kind of got changed to retinal dystrophy and then retinal pigmentosa, retinitis pigmentosa, should I say? And um, it was it was kind of a a confusing time sort of in my teens as to what I actually had um, then I was sort of tested they took some blood I want to say in 2004 and did some genetic testing um, they were struggling to find the faulty gene uh, for a good while after that so I kind of knew that <clears throat> um, you know it was genetic I thought actually that it was something that wasn't necessarily genetic but it could have been something that just happened to me do you know what I mean yeah. um, but when they obviously explained to me that yeah actually it is genetic it kind of made me think about sort of decisions I was making uh, with regards to like my future and things like that yeah. um, because knowing that it was <clears throat> it was going to deteriorate over time um, they sort of you know tried to help me as much as I can and as they could and sort of sort of um, trying to give me some kind of hope. I mean, the, <clears throat> a couple of doctors and the genetic counsellors were really good. Um, they was basically, you know, saying, oh, that there's something in the pipeline with... Uh, the, the first thought spoke about stem cell therapy. Right. Um, and I was looking at that, that sort of thing. Um, and then sort of as, as, we, as we got into my 30s, um, it was a case of this... It's, it's, there was other things in the pipeline, but they, did, they couldn't really tell me. And I know that Morfields were doing some kind of trials and I was a bit too old to actually be involved in that. However, <clears throat> um, I was invited to go to Morfields at one stage um, by one of the doctors from there. And they said, <laughs> well, actually it never materialized. They just wanted to see someone in my state, how far I progressed 
uh, or, or how far the disease had progressed, if you know what I mean. Um, at, at sort of 36 years old, because the, the trial sort of ended for 30, at 30 years old. So, um, but it, it never quite materialised. But because I was kind of on the list, that's how, I, how come I, I, I found out about the Lux Sterner thing uh, wow. a bit before anyone else told me about it because I got an email from, from Moorfields and sort of saying this is this is a possibility. Okay, okay, so you knew it was kind of on the horizon and that it was appropriate for you. Matthew, did you, did you know your genetic diagnosis? Did you understand, before you really got into having this treatment, did you understand the link between your genetic diagnosis and, and a potential gene therapy and, and how specific these therapies are to, to the gene? I, I guess I understood in the abstract that this was a genetic condition. Um, and I knew that I'd had a genetic test, but it was, it was in a, in a, I guess a period of my life when, you know, there wasn't prospect of a treatment. Yeah. So I wasn't really engaging with the condition. Yeah. So I went to Moorfields, I had a blood test. <laughs> Somebody gave me a piece of information, which I didn't really understand. Sure. Uh, and I promptly filed it by which I meant forgot it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a very uh, that would be familiar. I think a lot of our listeners, yes. um, because so many people have thought, well, what does this really mean for me? It's just it's just some letters. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, when um, when did you hear you were actually going to get the treatment yourself? Or did you have have much notice that you were <laughs> going to get an appointment? Were you aware that it had been approved and was available on the NHS, Lee, perhaps? Um, well, I first found about the treatment in October uh, and that it was possibly going to be <coughs> available on the NHS, but nothing, nothing was confirmed. And obviously they had to decide which clinics were going to get the, um, the, the, the availability for it. And then genetic counsellors called me uh, I want to say November a couple of times, um, just to say that they think that I'm eligible. Then they invited me to go in for the, some tests uh, to see whether I would be eligible for it or not. And that happened on New Year's Eve. Um, and then sort of on New Year's Eve was kind of when the decision was made that oh. I, I was going to have it. <laughs> Brilliant. And then how long between then and when you actually had the treatment? So I had the first eye done on the uh, 27th of January. Right, okay. Uh, um, and then I had the right eye done on the 25th of February. Okay. Uh, so I've had both of them done. Okay. Um, so yeah. Good work. So Matthew and Jake, um, we, we, did you have sort of similar experiences? Jake, I've, I, I seem to remember you, you didn't get very much notice. No. So, like, like uh, Lee was saying, I knew something was possibly coming up, but I didn't know it was going to get, you know, officially announced or anything like that. Um, I found out on, I want to say around, let me figure out the dates, somewhere around the, like, the, the 10th or the 11th of January. Um, and there's, like, the, the professor rang and said, there's a treatment available. We want you to have it. You've been coming down here for 15 years. We think that you're suitable for it. Uh, I'll ring you back on Monday and you can give us a decision. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I didn't know anything had been, you know, officially, you know, licensed and, and given to the NHS. I was like, um, okay. Because <laughs> I, I, like the lads were saying, there was a trial a few years ago. Yeah. Um, which I turned down because, you know, trials and they, they don't know what the, what the outcome was going to be sort of thing. Sure. Um, so 
I mean, I jumped up straight away because, you know, I could tell my eyesight was slightly deteriorating. Even like, you know, a small amount for me is a big, like a big amount sort of thing. Yes. Um, and then I think it was around January 23rd, which I think was a Thursday. Um, I had the, the right eye done, which is the worst eye for me. Okay. Um, and I'm still waiting for the second eye because of the, what's going on in the world at the moment you know there's yeah. other priorities <laughs> yeah absolutely so Matthew I think you're in the same position is that right that you've only had one eye treated because because of the pandemic that's right that's right I, I was gonna say my, my experience of, of learning about Lux Turner was was quite different actually I um okay. I uh I started uh uh, I guess I joined Professor McLaren's clinic at the John Radcliffe a few years ago, um, and a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I said that uh, I've had kind of very negative prognosis for a treatment through most of my life. Um, the first time I went to that clinic, he was, he was very positive that something would be possible. Okay. Uh, and he wasn't specific about the treatment, but as I, as I kind of went there for regular checkups, the story was changing, the story was developing, uh, and kind of general talk about something being possible became a gene treatment, uh, became that treatment had come out of trials, became, you know, we're waiting for NICE approval to be able to to use it in the NHS. So the story was kind of gradually developing, but then then right at the end, pretty much with, um, as, as Jake and Lee are saying, you know, I had I only actually had maybe less than a month's notice to actually um, get ready for the surgery. Okay. Were you surprised? So you you were quite well informed then that this was sort of in development. Did you feel optimistic that it would be made made available on the NHS, or, or you know, were you fairly cautious about that? Um, you know, I th- I think the the messaging has been so consistent for most of my life that. Um, I didn't take it for granted right up until I had a a surgery date. Yeah. Um, you know, when I when I learned that the uh, treatment had come out of trial and was yeah. being you know considered by Nice as a as, a, as an actual treatment, that that's positive. <laughs> but the the way of the world is, you know, that's that still doesn't that's still no guarantee, right? <laughs> it, it's only a guarantee. Uh, when you when you get your surgery day, well, that, that's how it felt. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously, at Retina UK, we're we're really aware that that NHS availability is obviously going to be something that we're going to have to keep keep working at and make sure that others in our community who have obviously different different gene faults and and will need different therapies will be able to access access these treatments. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the experience of, of surgery itself, because this is, this is fairly significant surgery. This is under gen- general anesthetic, am I right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so did you go into hospital the day of the surgery? And, and what was that like? Jake, can you tell us a little bit about your experience? I was actually um, at Moorfields for uh, part of the, the Donor Natural uh, History Research Study, um, which they've been doing for a long time. <laughs> And I was actually already down in London for that week. Uh, I already knew that I was having the operation on the Thursday. So I'd been, you know, partaking in research for the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday I had the, the pre-op assessment sort of thing and that kind of thing. And then sort of the, the Thursday uh, was when I had the operation. And to be honest with you, I, I, I tell everyone, you know, I really 
I had no soreness. I had nothing. There was nothing. I, I, the only way I could describe it really um, is when I woke up. Is I was a little bit itchy. It, it was okay. just a, and obviously it must have been from obviously you know the, the reacting to something foreign coming into it. You know something something yeah. along that lines. Um, I don't I, I don't know the science behind. That. I know a little bit, but I'm not the uh, <laughs> best person to describe the the sensation. But uh, it was just sort of like like as if a wound was healing that that's the only way I could describe it and um I actually used a little bit of reverse psychology when my right eye was itchy I would itch my left eye and it would stop okay. the right eye from itching so okay uh, yeah that's that, that was about I remember that <laughs> <laughs> yeah does that that sounds familiar does it Matthew absolutely yes yeah. <laughs> the, the surgery was very smooth in as in and out with you know under a day okay yeah same same for me yeah what about you Lee did you did you come home the same day. Well, um, I, I I stayed in overnight. Um, they wanted me to go in the night before, um, but I sort of didn't. I, I got there first thing in the morning, so it was about seven o'clock in the morning. So it was an early start, um, and um, literally it was like the, the pre-op thing was done by about eleven o'clock. I was going into theatre. I think the 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 the, the treat the treatment lasted about forty minutes. The actual operation. Okay. Um, and I was back out in recovery, um, sort of by then. But like, like these guys said, it, you know, you, you had like the, the itchy sensation in the eye. Um, you had like obviously there was a patch over it. You had to posture for sort of twenty four hours. Okay. They wanted me to lie on my back basically to sort of make it so that the um, the treatment it was sort of go into the back of my eye. Yeah. Um, so for, for for the first twenty four hours, they kind of wanted me in bed. Uh, the first four hours was more seemed to be more um, important. So after four hours was done, obviously I could get up for ten minutes, but the the majority of time was spent posturing and just sort of like lying flat on my back with, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's that's just yeah. lying on the ward and that really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so presumably you have do you have a dressing over that that treated eye or not afterwards? Yeah, they they put like a patch on it. Um, right. And then that's well the first time they, that that sort of came off before the the the, the nurses sort of changed shift to the night shift, if you like, uh, that came off. But the second time, uh, the, they left the patch on overnight, um, and then took it off sort of in the in the morning before I went home. Uh, but it, the, the the sensation of it was a bit strange because obviously you know you can see thing you can see light and dark. But you can't see anything. It's like looking through um, like water, cloudy water. Yeah, it's very strange. Very strange. And when you've got when you've got like one eye working <laughs> and one eye not, it, it's, it kind of sends your head a bit west. Yeah. Stand <laughs> 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 that. That's really interesting. So, what? How long? I mean, so straight after the surgery, it felt like looking through cloudy water, right? How, when, how long did it take to sort of get back to where you had been before surgery? Or, or did you even notice any improvement? Matthew, did you? Maybe, maybe, you... I mean, back to, back to not even thinking about that eye was, was possibly three or four weeks. Okay. Um, but that, but part, partly that was my kind of curiosity, you know, as, as the site was getting back to normal, I was, I was kind of, has it changed? Has it changed? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's three or four weeks to, to kind of not even thinking about it anymore. Okay. 
and 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 Lee and Jake was that sort of similar for you or longer or yeah I mean well mine it, it was sort of after about seven days because I, I had um, my, my left eye done that was the first one that I had done um, I had gas in that um, and they it was like little bubbles for a few days after, mm. after it sort of cooled off um, and then once they kind of disappeared um, I was really really noticing things especially in low, low light uh, was normally you know Low, low light was is, was it was a massive issue for me. Okay. Um, my, the low the low light was was sort of like the, the main thing for me to sort of be have some kind of improvement. And I was seeing like detailing things uh, a, lot, a lot quite a bit better as well. Do you know what I mean? So um, yeah. for me, it was like it was it was pretty quick. You know, after about seven from seven days onwards, it was kind of like wow, this is this is amazing. And then it just came it just became kind of the norm, if you like to just be able to see sort of after sort of two, three weeks, it, you know, not, not really think like, like um, Matthew said, to not thinking about it, it probably was about two, two, three, four weeks. But the first sort of first couple of weeks, it was like, wow, this is mad. You know, I can, <laughs> I can see this and I can see that. Do you know what I mean? Just, yeah. just it's, it's simple things like see, seeing, seeing the, the, the mortar in between the bricks outside my house and, and stuff like right. that. <laughs> you know, things really standing out. It's just really strange. Jake, what have you what have you noticed, or what have perhaps people around you noticed? What have your family noticed about any changes in your vision? I mean, probably probably within the first few months or so of, of after having the operation, my family were like they could tell there was a change, you know, and they really it was a change obviously for the better. Yeah. And um, I mean, me personally, I mean, I'm unfortunately follow football and on the TV, I. As I got older, as my got worse, I started, you know, not being able to see, follow the sort of play and stuff. Yeah. Whereas, say, two or three months after this treatment, I was able to see the ball. I was able to follow where the ball was going. And it was just, you know, something so small and so minute, but so major to me, you know. And, That's great, Jay. And, That's and, really and something yeah. like that is just, I mean, like a lot of these lads said, and I'm still, you know, I'm still a little bit in shock. Everyone else... You know, and the world is having a bad 2020, and 2020 has easily been the best year of my life by absolute a country mile. You know, oh. it's been unbelievable. What a ride! <laughs> so I think it's it it's fairly safe to say that Jake's pleased he had it done. Are you, are you, are you, are you, are you both fully in agreement? I mean, is, was this the right decision for you? Absolutely, absolutely. I I said before I even had it done, um, and I knew that that there was you know going to assess me to make sure I was eligible before and I, I kind of knew that I was going to have it done anyway um, and I sort of had a <clears throat> like a conversations with my boss at work and, and my wife and, and you know what I mean um, <clears throat> and, and the, the outcome of that was literally do you know what if it doesn't work at least I've tried um, and if, 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 it, if, it, if, it, if it gets better if, you know if it improves ever so slightly it's an improvement it's better than not. It's better than passing the the um, opportunity up and saying, "Oh, I wish I should have done that." Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it was absolutely the right decision for me. Yeah, Matthew, if if somebody else with a similar condition was perhaps thinking of having taking part in a clinical trial, which is a realistic prospect at the moment for for some people, uh, or in the future they were about to be offered a, a, a gene therapy, what? What would you say to them were the things to consider before they made that decision, do you think? What should they factor in? 
Uh, I mean, I, 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 it's a, it's a, it's actually a hard question to answer. Okay. Um, I guess it's very individual, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's situational, you know, it depends on the situation, I guess. And yeah. What, the hell, I mean, what each individual's vision is like, you know. Did I guess there's something about there about kind of general, um, general risks of surgery or well, surgery carries risks, right? Mm -hmm. And the, the, the nature of this treatment means that there is risk of infection. Um, and I guess it's, being able to um, assess those risks against the potential benefit. Yeah. Um, but, and actually to, I mean, it, for me, sometimes I found it quite, I found it quite hard to kind of evaluate that, that risk reward trade off because yeah. the technology is so incredible and I wasn't prepared for it. And I was so, grateful and surprised to be selected um <laughs> it's it's so new isn't it i mean you guys i said i said before when we were chatting before we started recording that, that the three of you are, are trailblazers really because this is so new and we hope it will be the first of of lots of these treatments and and there's lots of research going on and all sorts of different approaches but you three were really right on the forefront of this. What would you hope, if, if we were sitting here in 10 years time, what would you hope was the situation then for somebody who had just been diagnosed with, with a sight loss condition? Anyway, uh, Matthew, Lee? Well, well I guess, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, if I, th if I think back to, you know, my journey from diagnosis, uh, you know, echoing, I think maybe even more Lee's experience, but, um, you know, from, from my diagnosis going forward, there was no hope of a treatment and I was just kind of sent out into the wild to get used to, to get ready for blindness, right? I was kind of discharged from a hospital because there was nothing that could be done. Yeah. Um, so I was just kind of trying to, to make my way as best I could uh, with sight loss. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's, there's something about, um, in, you know, more research, more treatments. Hopefully that will result in fewer people being kind of just sent off into the wilderness. Yeah. Jake and, and Lee, do you have any, any thoughts on that? Go on, Lee. I'll let you go first. All right, no worries. Um, <laughs> I, I would think that um, if, I'm, if I was sitting here in 10 years' time and someone said to me, I've just been diagnosed with RP, um, there's a, diff a couple of different treatments. See, I'm a bit of a risk taker when it comes to things like that because if I think there's, there's, a, there's a treatment that, that can help anyone in any way, shape or form health-wise yeah. that is relatively new, and the risks are relative to what, you know, and the, and the outweigh that, you know, if, if, if it's a 50-50 or even if it's a 60-40 that it might go wrong, the that 40% is still a big enough for me, to, to, uh, a percentage to swear me to say to somebody, you know what, you need to go and get that treatment done because 
it could potentially change your life. Now, I'd say to them, don't get your hopes up because mm -hmm. it might not be, it might not work. It might not be, if it does work, it might, um, it might not be as as as, an, as much an improvement as you as you wanted it to be, yeah. uh, but also be prepared for if the inevitable happens. Don't forget. I mean, I've I've my eyesight has been deteriorating for for a while. You know, lots such as Matthew, um, and <clears throat> the fact that obviously there's been no diagnosis forever um, up until well, not diagnosis, no treatment, should I say, no forever. Um, and and it's been it's been like a like a preparation for blindness anyway for me. Um, so if 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 something had gone wrong in the treatment and my eyes had gone worse because of the treatment, to be quite honest with you, I, I was kind of half prepared for that anyway because okay. because of the the fact that it had been deteriorating for so long. But yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean, I I would hope any whatever whatever conditions they've got whether it be genetic or whether it be the eyes you you, you know yeah. your arms your whatever if, if there was some kind of treatment for somebody i would say look you know you really need to seriously consider it regardless of what the risks are do you know what i mean yeah do, do you feel sort of similar i mean obviously you're a little bit younger than the two other guys and perhaps your vision not quite so far along that sort of yeah thing. i can i can understand that um Again, it's similar sort of thing to Lee, really. If if there is going to be something out there in, in 10 years' time, I'd, I'd honestly recommend just, just giving it because, you know, especially if it's licensed on the NHS, uh, you know, the risks normally normally get outweighed by the benefits. You know, norm, normally there's a, a better chance of, of whatever. And hopefully this gene therapy is not just a start for the eyes, but the whole body, you know, they, they can treat all sorts of Absolutely. conditions in the in the future. And to be honest with you, like, I know it's going to sound strange. I am a, a little bit younger than the, the two of our gents, but I kind of accepted the fact that, like, I, you know, that I would go blind eventually, and I never saw this sort of coming along in my lifetime. And I, I'm still sort of shocked by it, um, and it's 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 one of those things where you just think, I've been so lucky. I mean, I, f I feel so privileged and honoured to live in a country where we can get this for free. You know, if if, if it was a different, you know, part of the world where you have to pay a lot more money and you know go through a lot more of of, of problems to get to get something i mean we, we're so lucky to live in a country where it's you know it's available for free you know that's that's the one thing because when i was younger people were like oh well we can raise this money you can go get the treatment in america whatever you know yeah. I was like, it's, it's yeah. not, i know it sounds really more more you know morbid and stuff but it's not it wasn't going to kill me do you know what i mean it wasn't mm -hmm. ever going to it's not that kind of situation whereas you know a child with cancer who needs treatment in america or wherever in the world you know that that's a life-threatening disease you know whereas this was just going to mean that I wasn't going to see that well. Everything else still worked, you know. That, that's the way I always seen it. Yeah. And um, like I said, just just give it a go. You know, you, if if it like Lee says, if it doesn't work out, at least you've tried. Do you know what I mean? At least you've 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 made your mark on society. Absolutely. And um, I mean, going to America anyway wouldn't wouldn't have made any, any difference back then because no, there was nothing anywhere. And no. and actually, the UK was not very far behind America in terms of availability. But of course, in America, their healthcare system is, is very different. Private, yeah. So, <laughs> a, few more, a few more hoops to jump through over there. So, yes, I think we're all very, very grateful for the NHS. Um, well, definitely, especially at this, you know, the time where it's, it's getting, out, going away from the sort of eyesight of the thing, you know, it's getting, you know, absolutely like um, torn through the, 
the mess at the minute and you just think you know that these people have, have are doing everything for this what's going on in the world and they're also at the forefront of you know research and, and medical uh, you know developments which is incredible absolutely yeah and i mean as as, as somebody at retina uk i'm i'm really grateful and amazed by not only those doctors and scientists but also our community who who are who are brave enough to to take part in research who put themselves forward um even just having your condition monitored without trying a treatment makes a huge difference to people that certainly um jake i know you've you've obviously done that and 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 that's really really important so um i mean the contribution of people like you to, to research can't can't really be underestimated but thank you the three of you for uh, for talking to me today let's let's hope that you're the first of, of many uh, over the years to come who uh, enable are able to benefit from from gene therapy so thank you very much it's been lovely to talk to you thank you for listening you can find out more about retina uk by visiting our website www.retinauk.org.uk if you would like to get in touch please email info at retinauk.org.uk or telephone 01280 821 334.